Sup, Thrill Seekers. I'm Dev. And I'm Connor, and you're listening to Mass Hysteria. <laughs> Welcome back, Thrill Seekers, to a new episode of Mass Hysteria. Before we dive in, I just wanted to take a moment to say that we would love reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts. We feel we haven't heard from you recently, mm-hmm. and we would just love a little check-in. And we we know our listener base is expanding because we now have uh, some steady figures for international listeners, which is we're very curious about. So we have a an Instagram we use regularly at the Mass Hysteria Podcast. And we would absolutely be indebted to you if you gave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us with the algorithm, you know? It's all about tricking the algorithm. Would you not uh, agree would, that's the tagline? I would agree. I would agree. And we would just love to hear from you. Like, we like to pretend we have friends in this world. And, that we talk to more people than And you're all our friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start, like, DMing you from the Mass Hysteria account. Be like, hey, what's up? Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, just kidding. That hasn't happened yet, but it could if you don't. Leave. There's still time. There if you is don't still reach time. out, there's still time. So, this week, um, I have a mass hysterical. I believe it's a hysterical. If it's not a hysterical, it's it's just at pretend least, to laugh at least. Yeah, pretend to laugh. It's an example of karmic justice. I think. Okay. So, two things that are, I guess, one thing that's important to know about me is that I really like two things: one, Mountain Dew, and two, using my horn when I drive. We, yes, we would agree with this. I would agree with this. Like, I have a rule. If you are not, if it's a green light and it's been a green light for longer than two seconds and you have not moved, she I'm gets like, horny Beep. about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just stiff on the horn. Um, <laughs> and so everyone's like, you know, one day this is going to catch up to you. This is going to nip you in the butt. And um, someone do it to you. Well, no. So what happened was I live on like a main street. So I was driving down my street and I was like, going to visit i feel like i was going to visit my boyfriend so i was driving da, 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 and this guy's in front of me and he like didn't go at the red light or at the green light so i like honked at him I'm like oh my god are you kidding me this man's slowing me down and so then he like pulls over into the other lane and like slows down enough so that he can get in behind me and i was like oh my god this is how i'm gonna oh die i was like me and my car like we're not built for drag racing it has the pickup <laughs> of a slug like what's gonna happen so he like starts speeding up he's like tailgating me oh my god and i'm like and then he's like flashing his lights at me and i'm like oh my god i just like pissed off this guy like i probably like i actually in my head i was like i 195 percent deserve this but this is not how i want it to go and then he like pulls to the side of me again at the next light and he goes ma'am your lights are off <laughs> i was like oh my god oh and so i was like there's two things one now i'm old enough that people will call me ma'am <laughs> and two <laughs> i was like shaking i was like oh thank you but then i used the horn the next day so you know. <laughs> lesson learned lesson no. learned lesson no, learned there was no lesson keep learned on here. with the horn don't give up on your dreams that's the lesson <laughs> um connor has had some changes to his appearance he's now a tan god safe tanner i am i'm practicing safe tanning this week some some spray tan action i'm also platinum blonde no more highlights we're just blonde i guess they are technically still highlights right there's just a lot of you look like you could be an in sync i i that's the goal so thank you for fulfilling my dreams 
Um, but yeah, so. T- and for an update on the fish, because I was asked, <laughs> um, they're doing well. Some people think they are looking bigger. I, I'm i not sure if Probably that's Probably because they're eating each other. They might be eating each other, honestly. There's still several. I don't I don't count them. I don't know how many. I try, I'm try. i trying not to get too emotionally invested. You know, you're not supposed to get attached. That's what they say, right? Yeah. So. In relationships. In fi- I mean, what? Exactly. I mean, oh, oops. Oops. Uh, speaking of relationships, since some of you have asked, no one asked. Uh, poor homie Quan does not hate me. The nickname is still running. <laughs> um, and but yes, without further ado, good PHQ. We good PHQ. We will dive in. Today's is is pretty serious, but we wanted to cover it because it's very relevant right now. So recently, we have covered many cases that happened years or even decades ago, and it's kind of easier in a way to dive into a case that happened like 50 years ago because for the most part there's a lot more succinct information and things have been covered the last thing we would ever want to do is to discru- discuss a crime inaccurately or not to the best of our abilities so we tend to gravitate toward cases with a plethora of available material to research that being said talking about re- recent cases is critical too Because, like, sure, we're a smaller podcast, but the word getting out about open cases could potentially lead to unearthing of new information. I'm thinking specifically about how the recent podcast coverage of the Kristen Smart case helped lead to the arrest of Paul Flores a month ago. So today we want to talk about the case of Jennifer Dulo's disappearance. It happened almost exactly two years ago from when we will release this episode. Somebody out there knows something that could help solve this. So Jennifer Dulos was a radiant woman with a megawatt smile. She studied writing at both Brown and New York University, and she's been described by her friends as witty and charismatic. Jennifer was seen for the last time on May 24th of 2019. She was living in New Canaan, Connecticut, and she was in the middle of a long and messy custody battle with her husband, Fotis, which is a terrible... Fotis Dulles is... It's Dulles. quite a Fotis name. Fotis Dulles is an interesting name. Um... Anyway, aside from that, um, the pair had five children together. They had three boys and two girls. Two sets of twins. That's insane. Holy crap. Um, New Canaan, Connecticut is a beautiful area to raise a family. And in fact, many people move there just for the incredible schools. It's an area with a lot of wealth. The houses are sprawling and the grass is well manicured. I wouldn't know anything about that. The community is generally thought of as very safe. On the morning of May 24th, 2019, Jennifer Dulos loaded her children into her black Chevy Suburban and headed to school. She dropped her children off at the New Canaan uh, Canaan Country School, promising to see them later that night. Jennifer's mother, Gloria Farber, lived in a Manhattan apartment and would be looking after the children until their mother was finished running errands. So on that day, the nanny, who had worked for the family for like five years, she drove the children to Manhattan after school to stay with their grandmother. But before taking the car to go pick them up, she went inside the house and she was washing her hands and she noticed that Jennifer was almost out of paper towel. And then Annie thought this was really strange because she had bought Jennifer paper towel the previous day and she'd bought a lot of it. So she checked, texted Jennifer to ch- check in, got no response. And life can be busy, sometimes errands run late, but this was different. Nobody had heard from Jennifer all day. Sometime between 6.55 and 6.59 p.m., Jennifer was reported missing by her mother. She couldn't get in touch with Jennifer, and she knew her daughter would never not show up this late with no update. Waveney Park it's, um, is a 300-acre park located in New Canaan, 
and it has like walking paths and trails surrounded by a, a large castle in the center. And the park is easy to access through an entrance off of Lapham Road. It's a peaceful place to walk around outside nature with tall trees and fresh air. Approximately an hour and a half after Gloria reported her daughter missing, the police found her black car abandoned in, on Lapham Road. At the time, there was no security camera installed, and so there was no way to review how and why her car had ended up at Waveney Park. Around the same time, police also visited Jennifer's home, and in the garage, they found a large blood stain and spattered blood on the walls and floor of her garage. Suddenly, the investigation took a darker turn. There was now evidence to suggest a serious assault had taken place. Jennifer's estranged husband was immediately a prime suspect. The couple separated in 2017 after Jennifer filed for divorce. She claimed she did not feel safe around Fotis and that his controlling and threatening behavior put her in danger. According to an article by Lisa Marie Fuqua for Medium, we're going to reference this a couple of times, so I wanted to make sure that we we, will share it in the epi notes, but this is uh, one of our prime sources. She said, quote, It was alleged that Fotis had threatened to kidnap their kids if Jennifer didn't concede to his terms of the divorce settlement. Records show he also purchased a gun in 2017, end quote. In court during the divorce proceedings, Jennifer alleged that Fotis attacked her on June 3, 2017. In the same article, Jennifer said that Fotis, quote, became enraged, appeared out of control, and blamed me for scheduling activities for the children on a Saturday morning. I was scared and tried to leave the room. He followed me upstairs and into a bedroom, where he shut the door and blocked it so that I was trapped as he verbally attacked me and physically intimidated me. I am afraid of my husband. And I know that filing for divorce, filing this motion will enrage him. And I know that he will retaliate by trying to harm me in some way, end quote. That is so sad. I know, it's really scary. So at the time of her disappearance, Jennifer had been awarded sole custody of their children during the divorce process. A judge had found that Fotis had an unhealthy influence over his children. An article for the Stanford Advocate detailed some of the extreme behavior Fotis exhibited. Quote, In her initial divorce filing, Jennifer Doulis described her husband's affinity for water skiing, which she characterized as an obsession. She said he, would, he had insisted that their children be on uh, strict training regimens with a world-class water skiers, and she believed it was too dangerous and excessive. Sometimes the training sessions would go from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. The mother said that her children wanted to stop, and they had begged her for her help. When one child refused to train, Fotis Doulis allegedly threw a ski against a rock and broke it, end quote. That type of intense and abusive behavior is definitely concerning. Fotis alleged that everything was not perfect with Jennifer either. He claims that she told the children that she would send the mafia after their father if he tried to take the children away from her, and that she would purposely schedule non-essential activities during the time blocked off for his visits. What was actually said, we'll probably never know. What we do know, though, is that his actions near Jennifer's disappearance are nothing short of suspicious. While Fotis and Jennifer were in the middle of their divorce, Fotis had a serious girlfriend. Her name was Michelle Traconis. The two of them even lived together with Michelle's daughter from another marriage. It's interesting that it's water skiing. Like, that's an interesting thing to be obsessed with. It is an interesting thing. I don't think they have Olympic. I don't don't really know that much about water skiing, to be honest with you. Um, Except it looks scary. 
Yeah, I tried to stand up and just almost did a split. So that was my one and only Tubing. time. That's that's all about all I'm gonna do. Yeah, uh, sunbathing. That's enough for me. Mm, um, yeah. According to a Fox 61 article by Spencer Brooks, Jennifer's mother Gloria quote started paying the monthly mortgage and real estate property taxes on the party's formal marital residence in Farmington, Connecticut, which for context is where Fotis was staying with Michelle. So. Gloria's mother's like paying for where Fotis is staying during the divorce. That's kind of effed up. Um, and after Fotis stopped making the payments, Miss Farber's property was held as like additional collateral for the mortgage on the Farmington property. So she paid the expenses each month to prevent the property from going into foreclosure. So, end quote. Um, but is this directly related to the disappearance of Jennifer? Maybe, maybe not. But even if it isn't, I think it's still important to touch on. Fotis was having financial problems at the time all of this was happening. Whenever a spouse goes missing, it is almost always protocol to suspect the other spouse. When the other spouse is has a new partner, it can look even more suspicious. And so was this new relationship a motive for something more sinister? Well, let's take a look at what happened in the days following Jennifer's disappearance. And this is where it starts to get weird. So on June 1st, 2019, it's like six or seven days after the disappearance of Jennifer. Jennifer. And... Fotis Doulis and Michelle Traconis both get arrested and charged with evidence tampering. CCT footage had caught the couple in a compromising position. Remember how he said bloodstains were found in Jennifer's garage? Well, CCTV footage, that's a mouthful, shows Fotis driving a black pickup truck with Michelle in the passenger seat. They pull up to a trash can and dispose of white trash bags into the cans. Like, they kind of disperse it. So they, like, take a little bit of the trash, go in one trash bag on, like, this main street. That's weird. And then do it to the next trash bin. This footage was recorded on the same day that Jennifer disappeared. If they were stopping at a trash can, yes, that looks bad, but maybe they were throwing out, like, fast food bags or dumping old clothes. This, however, was not the case for Fotis and Michelle. The same trash cans he was filmed emptying his trash bags into were later discovered to contain Jennifer's blood on sponges and tattered clothing. Holy crap. Something that may have initially looked coincidental now looks absolutely horrific. Was Fotis responsible for the death of his wife, and did he tamper with the evidence to cover his tracks? According to that same Medium article, police also found altered license plates in Fotis's possession. And it's like unclear how and if they are even connected to the disappearance, but it's still a random thing for him to have. And a witness also claimed that he saw Fotis acting strangely near a storm drain. He, Fotis was apparently seen emptying something into the drain, but what it was exactly has never been relayed to the public. Authorities do say that the item he attempted to dispose of has been recovered from the storm drain, though. In September of 2019, so this is a couple months later, Fotis and Michelle were arrested again for tampering with evidence in another incident presumed to be related to Jennifer's disappearance. Fotis and Michelle allegedly cleaned his truck around the time of the disappearance. In a video showing Michelle talking with authorities, she claims Fotis gave her a paper towel with coffee soaking into it. Okay, so she's had like months to think about what right. she's going to so say. So she's saying that she has a coffee-soaked paper towel. Yes. And she says that she was cleaning out coffee from his truck. The authorities, like, we'll link you the video. You can watch it if you want to. They're very clearly not buying this. So they ask her... Like, oh, well, did you pick up on the smell of coffee since coffee is quite quite pungent? Yeah. And she says she doesn't smell any coffee, but she knows that it's coffee, which (laughs) I stopped for a second and I actually watched it twice because as somebody who 
vehemently hates coffee. Don't come after me. It has a really, really strong odor. So if you spilled coffee in your car, it would absolutely reek of coffee. Also, it was like the middle of the summer. Like, you know, like when Yeah, and honestly, like if something, if someone was handing me a paper towel with brown liquid on it that didn't smell like like coffee, I would be a little horrified. Yeah, I would be like, what is... mm." Um, And more concerning is that when she was pressed, the officer was like, did you see a cup of coffee? And she responded by saying, no, I didn't look inside the car. And I feel like what she really is saying is, no, I didn't want to look inside the car. Which, like, if you're asking someone to clean out a car, you would definitely have looked inside it. So you would something, think, how can you be cleaning it if you didn't look? Or, or you know that whatever they want to be cleaned is really bad and you're trying to, like, distance yourself from it. Exactly. But something smells worse here than the coffee in the story. So a few months later, in January of 2020, Fotis Doulis was charged with capital murder and with and murder with kidnapping. This case is starting to get tricky, though, because the police have no weapon and they have no body. And I'm not saying that Fotis isn't guilty, but I am saying that they needed to have a very clear picture of what happened to Jennifer to make an arrest like that. According to the Medium article we keep referencing, quote, police believe Jennifer was killed inside of her home on May 24th, 2019, between 8.05 and 10.25 a.m., after dropping her children off at school. Police speculate that after killing Jennifer in the garage, Fotis bound her with zip ties and placed her body inside of her own vehicle. He then cleaned the garage and moved Jennifer's body and car, end quote. And when he was... when Fotis's lawyer was asked to make a statement about the charges in front of the camera. He said, quote, I have three words to say to the state. Bring it on. End quote. That's like very ballsy. Yeah. And that was exactly how he said it. Like paused. Bring it on. It's like, okay, well, wow. you have a lot of confidence in your client. Apparently. Um, Michelle Traconis was charged with conspiracy to commit murder. Fotis had a longtime friend named Kent Mawinney. Um, Kent was an attorney at the time, and he was also charged with conspiracy to commit murder. And uh, Kent, he looks very similar to the guy who plays Vizzini in The Princess Bride, if you want to look him up. Inconceivable. Um, he really, they have a, I think it's his mugshot is just... Yeah, they do. It's, it's a little dis- disheveled. Um, we'll link it. They share resem- resemblance, trust us. Um... But anyway, both Michelle and Kent, they pleaded not guilty to their charges, of course. This case, though, was gaining a lot of national attention. Everywhere they went, reporters were asking questions to Fotis and Michelle. It's a crime that clearly can be solved. It's only a matter of when those who know more will finally start talking. Fotis was out on bond at the end of January 2020. He was scheduled to have an emergency bail hearing on January 28th. When he failed to show up for his hearing, the police immediately raced over to his home to perform a wellness check. When responders were close to the house, they could see Fotis through one of the garage windows. His truck was running, but he was unresponsive on the ground. From the scene, it was clear that he had tried to commit suicide by poisoning himself with carbon monoxide. He was immediately rushed to a hospital in New York City. And less than two days later, he was pronounced dead at the hospital. Before taking his own life, Fotis did write out a note for the authorities to find. His suicide note read, quote, I refuse to spend even an hour more in jail for something I had nothing, all capital, to do with. I want to be known that Michelle Traconis has nothing to do with Jennifer's disappearance, and neither did Kent Mawinney, end quote. And obviously, uh, you know, suicide is a very serious topic, and we're not making light of that, but this just seems like a kind of a, like, not a stunt, but like, 
he's doing he, he he did this and he knew they were going to come and do a wellness check because he chose to do it on the day of and the it's a weird hearing. note because like if you had nothing to do with it you don't know if anyone else is involved the only way you could know that is if you did it but with him no longer alive obviously the charges against him were dropped and his lawyer believed that fotis had been framed for the crime he thinks this is what the lawyer thinks um that another person killed jennifer and then disposed of the evidence on fotis's porch which is like the most ludicrous thing that i've read about this case yeah. like if you connor was saying if you someone dropped off a bag of bloody clothes why would you not go to the police go like what your first instinct is like i'm going to hide these like sprinkle them in different trash cans around the, the city right like, he drove 30 minutes to like put them in the trash cans right. that are away from his house no you would go to the police you would go to the or police. you'd throw it away in your trash and not even know it was there yeah yeah exactly so something is not adding up here Michelle Traconis is on house arrest currently, and the pandemic has certainly impacted the timeline of this case. According to the Stanford Advocate, Michelle's lawyer requested her ankle bracelet be removed, and her lawyer complained, quote, The ankle bracelet prevented Traconis from wearing a ski boot and spending time with her daughter, who was a competitive skier, end quote. The judge responded and basically said that that's not a good enough reason, which... Well, makes sense now that she is the main suspect in Jennifer's disappearance. So I do have to agree with the judge on this one. Like maybe if you want to enjoy your daughter's ski season, you shouldn't commit conspiracy to murder. Right, exactly. Just some like random And why do you have to wear the ski boots? Like if you're allowed to go, why don't you just like sit and watch? I don't know. Just a thought. Um, Michelle has made statements distancing herself from FOTUS and the accusations made against them both. If you're interested in hearing her statements, there are dozens of YouTube videos. The Medium article we have been referencing for the case shared one of her recent statements. Quote, I know nothing about Jennifer Dulos' whereabouts or what may have happened to her. To those who are quick to judge people they do not know, let me say this. It is possible to misjudge others. Whether or not Fotis Dulos was capable of doing the things the police and prosecutors accuse him of doing, I do not know. But based on what I have learned this year, I think it was a mistake to have trusted him. End quote. And I mean, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but like, come on, this feels like as close as you can get to a kind of almost partial confession, or at least like a confession that you know more than you're letting on. Exactly. You're going to say, it was a mistake to have trusted him. Exactly. Michelle is scheduled to be in court this week for her alleged involvement in Jennifer's disappearance. Her family made a statement to the media about the mental toll the last two years has had on their family. When reading this case, there is, a, there is significant evidence to suggest that Michelle was at least partially responsible for the disappearance of Jennifer Dulles. That being said, whether she is guilty or not has not been proven yet. And given how much media attention the case has garnered, it has definitely affected those close to her. NBC Connecticut shared this statement from her family. Quote, May 24th marks the two-year anniversary of the disappearance of Jennifer Dulles. Our hearts go out to her family while we wait to learn what might have happened to her. But for our family, May 24th also marks the the beginning of two years of injustice towards Michelle Traconis. Michelle is an amazing woman, mother, daughter, sister, and friend, who has been treated unfairly, contrary to what the American justice system is supposed to be about, with freedom and justice for all. Michelle has been treated as though she were guilty from day one, with police investigators and media and members of the public ignoring the presumption of innocence that the United States Constitution claims to offer to all its citizens, end quote. 
And again, we're not saying that we think Michelle Traconis is innocent, but it's important to remember that the case is still open and that nobody has formally been convicted yet. Although I think she's guilty. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I think, think she she's knows a little something. Yeah. So you may be wondering, what about Kent Mowinney? Well, he was released on bond in October of 2020 after serving 10 months in jail. According to the Stanford Advocate, quote, Assistant State's Attorney Daniel Cummings said Kent Mawinney will be among the state's witnesses if Michelle Traconis's case heads to trial, end quote. In a video where Mawinney was being interrogated by authorities, he claimed that Traconis and Fotis Doulis tried to solicit him in a conspiracy to do away with Jennifer. Mawinney, as a witness, is a huge step in this case and highlights how premeditated the crimes against Jennifer could have been. Michelle's lawyer was, of course, not happy with this new evidence, and he believed that Moeni may have received some kind of, like, special treatment in exchange for information. Moeni posted his $250,000 bond, and there was no objection from any prosecutors. So the lawyer's, like, thinking maybe he gave them additional information, but... I mean, I just feel like there's just... They don't have a lot to go on, so they have to take what they can kind of get. You know what I mean? I just... I feel like very soon they're going to find where her body would be. Oh, God. I mean, it sounds horrible, but I hope so. Like, I feel like that would help with closure. With the closure to the case. You know. And according to this, uh, I looked this up, the state of Connecticut, after seven years, they'll declare someone, like, dead if they mm-hmm. don't have a body. So that's still a while. That's a long time, so. Yeah. Gloria Farber, Jennifer's mother, is the real hero of this story, and she's gone to great lengths to protect her grandchildren and continue to fight to find Jennifer. The two lawyers in Fotis's case were paid $250,000 a few weeks before Fotis took his own life. And after his death, Gloria argued that they had not done enough work to warrant that much money. I love her. Which I love her too. Like, that's pretty badass. Um, so they actually ended up paying back $140,000 and they are barred from speaking about the case for the next 40 years. They are also legally forbidden from any book or movie deals surrounding the case. Gloria has full custody of the children, and they live with her in her 1,500-square-foot apartment on Fifth Avenue. She's able to provide for them, not only financially, but emotionally as well. And in an article for Fox 61, the judge in the custody case said, quote, The children are emotionally bonded to her. It would be harmful to them to be removed from her care, end quote. And like, I can't imagine the kind of trauma like these children mm-hmm. have been through between their they parents. Lost both parents. Yeah, their parents fighting. And whether or not the dad was abusive or, you know, was really hard on them or not, that's still their dad. And he killed himself and their mother's gone. And like they have like this is I mean, I'm glad the judge kept them with their grandmother. I think that's really good. The grandmother seems like she's she a really seems wonderful like a person. cool woman. Um, according to findjenniferdulos.com, quote, investigators have received over 1,200 tips regarding the disappearance of Jennifer and nearly 80 responses with video surveillance from homes or businesses, end quote. Which, like, because we've been doing a bunch of older cases, we don't, like, a lot of the cases we, DNA evidence isn't even a thing yet. And with this case, I think, like, now we live in a time where we have enough powerful technology to figure out what actually happened. Yeah. And somebody clearly knows more than they're letting on. And honestly, I full-heartedly believe it's only a matter of time till the truth comes to light. The case of Jennifer Dulos sheds light on the seriousness of domestic violence and how important it is to support victims and advocacy work. According to the Connecticut Coalition Against Domestic Violence, the state has averaged 14 intimate partner deaths uh, per year since 2010. That's 14 too many. And Jennifer's case has led to the introduction 
of legislation to better support victims of domestic abuse. The bill, called Jennifer's Law, is making its way through state legislature. The bill recognizes the impact of non-physical abuse, called coercive control, and its effect on the victim's ability to leave a toxic situation. Senator Alex Kasser wrote, uh, made a quote for WT New Hampshire, quote, for too long, domestic abuse was only recognized as bruises or black eyes, but domestic abuse is much more. Survivors say that nonviolent abuse is often more powerful and painful than physical mm -hmm. abuse. When a person is threatened with losing her children, her job, her home, or her reputation, she is no longer free to leave. Victims don't stay because they want to. They stay because mm -hmm. the price of leaving is greater than the suffering they're already experiencing, end quote. And we know that Jennifer Dulos will get the justice she deserves soon enough. We will also link some domestic violence resources in our epi notes if you or someone you know is in need of help. We know today's episode was heavier. Um, we'll try to do something maybe like ghost related or a little bit lighter for next week. But I think this kind of case is really important to Super talk about. Important. And it's really relevant right now and the trials are happening. So uh, we're going to be following along. If we have updates, we'll definitely be sharing them the epi, upcoming epis. But um, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week, guys. Bye, guys.